Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. I want to thank God for another opportunity to be alive to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. We're going to dive right into the word. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to share with your people what a privilege and an honor it is. I do not take this for granted. Father, I, I rejoice in the fact that you've called me. I didn't call myself. You called me to this. And I thank you that this word that I have for this people, that it will change and transform their lives. They will become a better follower of Christ. They will begin to see the fruit of their confession come to pass. I thank you for meeting every need spiritually, emotionally, financially, mentally, relational. I thank you for giving them answers that they have longed for. And I thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Grant unto me your son and your slave, supernatural divine utterance that I boldly make known the mysteries of the gospel. Thank you for the gifts of the Spirit being in operation. As you see fit, I yield myself. I thank you for the gifts of miracles, working of miracles, the gifts of healings, the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, um, tongues and interpretation and prophecy. I thank you that you can flow any gifts that you choose. I yield to you as your vessel. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to continue our series of the Confession Series. Um, this is part five. We've been going through it faithfully. Um, Lady Courtney did the first, um, well, uh, Alfred did the first week about repentance. And then uh, Lady Courtney came back with confession, and she talks, talked about confession for three weeks. And then last week we talked about, anybody know the name of the sermon that I preached last week? Mastering Faith. The cure for bad confession. Okay, all right. So today we're going to continue with this uh, mastering faith, working the word. Everybody say working the word. And uh, so Hebrews chapter eleven verse six. Let's go to our familiar text that we used the last last week. Hebrews chapter eleven verse six. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. It says, "And without faith, it is impossible to please Him." For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And when you got it, join me standing. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's look at verse 13. And let's read this together. This is my... Main text, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, I mean 13. Let's read it together. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak. Amen to the reading of the word of God. You may take your seats. So today, I want to continue to speak along these lines. I, um, 
about confession. Uh, we, I haven't really, over the years, I haven't really taught about confession. I've mentioned it throughout the, my 25 years in ministry. I started very, very young preaching. I actually started when I was five or six. Um, did y'all know that? Did y'all know I was preaching at five or six? I used to, what, what did I preach to? Perfume bottles. Okay, you're paying attention. All right. So I used to preach to my grandmother's and mother's perfume bottle, um, and uh, many of them got born again and filled the spirit and got slain. I knocked them all over, and they just fell out. And I, I thought, thank you. I thought that was Benny Hinn or something. I, I just was flowing. I mean, I would preach to them. And then the Lord graduated me to have cousins, and I used to preach to my cousins. Uh, I used to get them in a little picnic area, and I had a little guitar that I got from Christmas. I think my, my, my biological father got for me before he went to heaven, and I was be playing and singing. Y'all didn't know I could play, right? I would play and sing. Um, the only song that I knew was This Is The Day, and then I would preach to him. And, and um, yeah, it was interesting. And then the Lord graduated me from there as I was faithful with that, I got brothers and sisters, um, and I began to preach to them, and they hated it. <laughs> and I, I played the keyboard for them when we do concerts, and then um, I taught myself how to play the keyboard, and and then we pray, play, and sing, and then I would preach to them like an hour-long sermon, and they would get mad, but I was watching them, so they had to do what I had to. I, I wanted them to do. <laughs> True story, and then. You know, I'm here now. So as I was faithful, God promoted me. That's a true story. All right, so I want to talk about mastering faith. Um, today we're going to focus on working the word. Everybody say working the word. The word of God is powerful. So let's take a look at a few scriptures dealing with how powerful this word is. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Some of y'all have smartphones, so you can just type it right up. Hebrews chapter 4, and I'm going to take my time as I, as I talk about working the word, working the word, mastering faith and working the word. How many of y'all been confessing the word this week? I got a couple people, all right, and, and you got the um, little mini book. How many read the mini book, the In Him this week? It was really good, right, for those who read it. Um, and then we also gave you a goal sheet for your personal goals. Did y'all fill that out? No, y'all didn't fill that out? Okay, I know you got, you got some in the back. <laughs> so you should, I think there's a few in the back. I can print out some more if you didn't get it. So I want you to begin to do something that I began to do as a member of a church. Prior to being in any leadership role, I would take notes. I would get, at the time, cassettes and or CDs of the sermon, I will listen to it, and I will apply it right away. And that's what, one way that I did not forget what I heard over the years. I can take you back to a time when my AME pastor, Pastor Davis, Napoleon Davis, who's still alive, um, and he would preach certain sermons, and I, re I to this day I can remember his sermons as a little boy. And I'm telling you, you want to look for opportunities to apply what you hear. Otherwise, you become a fat Christian, getting information, never developing and exercising, and put into practice what you hear. 
what good is it just to hear a sermon and never apply it? I don't know about you, but that's a waste of time. You can stay home and look at the game or sleep in. But it's an opportunity. You can listen to the word of God and feed on it and apply it immediately. You want to apply the word of God. So Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, we're going to talk about how powerful this word is. It says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So God's word is powerful. How many know that this is just not a regular book? This is power. There's power in the word of God. This is so much power that the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that the word of the king, where the word of the king is, there is power. How many know we serve the king of kings and lord of lords? And so his word is power. There is so much power in the word of God. But most people that I know will not ever experience that power because they don't believe it, number one. And number two, they don't speak it. And so God's word is quick. It is sharp. It's alive. And it, it is able to divide the soul and the spirit. How many know that we are a triune being? You are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. The real you is not what you dress up every day. The real you is on the inside, spirit being. And that's the part of us that is made in the likeness of God. Amen. That's good news. When we get born again or we get saved, our bodies don't get saved. If you were fat before you got saved, you're going to be fat after you get saved. If you have problems, if you had anger problems before you got saved, most likely you'll have anger problems after you get saved. That's in your soulless realm. But your spirit is the part of you that is just like God. That's the part of you that will never die along with your soul. Your body is decaying. Your body is on its way to death, to the grave. Every day you wake up, you're one day closer to death. What good news, right? But that's the truth. Your body is decaying. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that the things that we see are temporal, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And your spirit and your soul are eternal beings. You are a spirit, you possess a soul, and you live in a body. Your spirit is the one that's made in the image and likeness of God, your soul is your mind, your will, your intellect, your emotions, your personality. Let me say that again. Your soul is your mind, your will. When I say will, I'm talking about you chose to come to church. You chose to put on what you had. You chose to go get some coffee. You, you have a will. How many know we have wills? You, you have you will to do something. Your mind, your will, your intellect. Your emotions, how many have emotions? Some, some of us don't have a high EQ, <laughs> emotional intelligence. We, Jesus was in control of his emotions. Some of us, as Drake said, we are in our feelings. 
but we need to be in our faith. Amen. Amen. And so your soul, your will, your mind, your emotions, your intellect, your personality, your soul. And then you, you live in a body. How I many know we got to deal with our bodies every day? And as you get older, if you don't take care of your body and speak the word, the, the curse that is in this world will begin to operate on a greater dimension in your body. Did you know that? That's why you want to sow towards the end of your life. You want to get in shape prior to you getting older. Come on, I'm preaching better than you saying amen. amen. The Bible says bodily exercise profit. But godliness is profitable both here and in the world to come. So there is some profit to do some, doing some exercising. So sometimes instead of believing God for this um, parking lot, that, the parking space that's closed, you need to believe God for, you need to park a long way off. If you don't do any kind of exercise, you did some this morning. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Amen. Okay, so your, your spirit, when you got born again, your spirit is the part of you that became alive. The Bible says... And 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. Now, it's talking about your spirit. Your old nature passed away. Your, your, your spirit that was disconnected from God. And your new nature came into existence. You're not a better version of yourself when you get born again. You become something that never existed. A, a, a new species, a, something that is brand new. Thank God for Jesus. We became brand new. Jesus' death and resurrection is all about saving not only a, the soul of man and the spirit of man, but creating a new humanity for a new heaven and a new earth. That's not even my notes. And so let's go. So when we get born again, our spirits get saved or become brand new, we, we become born again, we become, we, we experience what the Bible, or some consider to be the new birth, or the rebirth, and then our soul is being saved. Our soul is being saved. James chapter 1 says, receive with meekness the engrafted word of God which is able to save your soul. So you were saved, you're being saved, and the Bible says in Romans 8, that your body shall be saved. So our redemption is in threefold, spirit, soul, and body. You were saved, you've been saved, as you take the word of God, and you're, you shall be saved. How many know we're going to get new bodies? We're not going to get renovated bodies. We're going to get brand new bodies. No wrinkles, no gray, no bald heads. I mean, we're going to have a six-pack. Glory to God. So if you missed out on the opportunity on this, this life, You'll have one in the one to come. How do you know that, Pastor Dwayne? What scripture do you have? Well, I'm going to be just like Jesus because Jesus was a carpenter, and my body is going to be just like his. And I believe that Jesus had a six-pack. But we'll find out when we get to heaven. And you said, Pastor Dwayne, you are right. Pastor Dwayne, you are right. All right. So the word of God is able to separate your soul and your spirit. It is so powerful that the only thing that can split your spirit and your soul is the word of God. So go with me to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. That's the letter, earlier part of the scripture. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. The word of God is powerful, but if we won't work it, it won't work for us. Some of us have never put the word of God to work. 
How many know that though the gospel is for everybody, it only works for those who believe? What scripture you have, Pastor Dwayne? Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. So if you don't believe it, it won't work for you. It won't save you. You got to believe the gospel and that God, that faith connects you to the power of God. So let's go to verse two, Hebrews chapter four, verse two. It says, for the good news of the gospel came to us just as to them talking about the children of Israel, but the message they heard did not benefit them. Did y'all see that? Though it is the good news, it did not benefit the children of Israel when they were going through the wilderness because they were not because they were not united by faith with those who listened. The uh, King James says that they did not mix faith with the word that they heard. So as you hear the word of God, you got to mix faith with what you hear. You got to believe what you hear. It's not enough just to read the Bible. It's not enough to speak the Bible, to memorize the Bible. You got to actually believe the Bible. There is a difference. And how do we believe? I'm glad you asked. Through what we, what we say with our mouth and believe in our heart. The Bible says in Romans 10, man believes unto righteousness, or, excuse me, believes unto righteousness, yes, and confession is made unto salvation. And so when you get faith in your heart and on your mouth, you'll see the manifestation of what you believe in for. Let me say that again. When you believe in your heart, it's not enough just to believe in your heart. I believe God raised Christ from the dead. That's not enough. It's not enough to believe with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. But when your mouth and your heart line up, that's when you'll see the manifestation of what you're believing for. So just like we got born again that way, we walk in our salvation that way. We work the word that way. We got to get the word in our hearts and we got to get the word on our mouths. Now, the good news is if you don't have it on your, in your heart, your mouth, God will use your mouth to write it on your heart. The scripture says in Psalm, I believe Psalm 148, it says that, that Lord, make my, ten, my, my tongue the pen of a ready writer. And Proverbs 4 talks about writing the word on our hearts. So how do you and I write the word on our hearts? By what we say. We can speak God's word and it will be etched in our hearts. Oh, that's some good preaching right there. Go to Psalm 138. God's word is ready to go to work for us, but we must put it in our hearts and in our, on our mouths. There's power in our mouths. Amen. There's power. God's word is powerful, but you got to work this word. And it's not enough just to read it. You got to believe it and you got to speak it. You got to speak it. I, I can hear somebody say, what about if somebody's um, um, dumb and uh, doesn't have the ability to speak? Well, God will meet them where they are. But there's great emphasis on, on the power of our words. Did you know that Christianity is called the great confession? We're confessing something. We're confessing the lordship of Jesus. We're confessing the, the, the existence of God. We're confessing who we are in Jesus. And we're confessing what we have in Jesus. Psalm 138 verse 2 says, I bow down toward your holy temple 
and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. So we see here that God has exalted his name and his word. But check this out. In the Hebrew, it actually says this. You have exalted your word above your name. How many know the name of the Lord is high? Come on now. I'm talking to some saints. Okay. God's word is exalted above his name. So we need to take heed to this word, put it in our hearts, in our mouths, because it is, the word is above everything else. Go with me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take you through the Bible today just a little bit. Go with me to Numbers 23. Numbers 23. It feels good to be back preaching again. Numbers 23. Let's look at verse 19. This is a, a familiar passage of scripture. And it says this. God is not man. Um, King James says God is not a man. How many know that God is not a man? Right? God is not a man. Jesus is a man. The man Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians chapter, I mean 2 Timothy chapter 2. Oh no, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Jesus is a man, but God is not a man. What is God? Spirit. John chapter 4, verse 24. God is spirit. Glory to God. God is spirit. And as they that worship God must worship him in spirit and truth. But Father God is not a man. Jesus is a man. He is the God man. He's 100% God and 100% man. Father God is spirit. Holy Spirit is spirit. Are you with me? Don't, don't confuse the Holy Spirit as a dove. That, that he, it says he came down like a dove. It didn't say he was one. Sometimes people, and don't think the Holy Spirit is tongues. It is the language of the Spirit, but he is not tongues. The Holy Spirit is not gifts. The Holy, Spirit's, the Holy Spirit is not fruits. Are you with me? He is a person. He's not a thing. He's not an it. I felt it. What if you like, what if somebody call you it? You get offended, right? You can offend the Holy Spirit. So don't ever refer to him as it, a thing, a feeling, or I caught the Holy Ghost. We don't, no, no, he's, he's not like, what do you mean? He's not a baseball. <laughs> when I was a kid growing up, we, I went to an Amy church and a Baptist church, and before I started going to a non-denominational church, and we used to call um, some of the Pentecostals holy rollers. And it was like, oh, sister so-and-so caught the Holy Ghost today. Why? Because she starts shouting. Holy Spirit is much more than a shout. He's much more than a dance. Now, I'm not saying that you can't dance. You better yield to the Spirit if he's moving on you. But don't equate the Holy Spirit as something weird, someone weird. He's, re he's a gentleman. He will not force himself. But he's more real than you and I could ever be. And he's available to us. That's good news. Verse 19. God is not a man that he should what? One of the things we know from God in Hebrews, that it's impossible for God to lie. God is not a man that he should lie. Men lie. The Bible says in Romans, it says that let God be true and every man a liar. 
God is true. And everybody else is a liar. But people say, I'm not, I don't lie. Yeah. Okay. If you never told an untruth, but you deny the lordship of Jesus, you just lied. That's 1 John. Whoever denies the Father in the Son is considered to be a liar. And in Revelations it says, and all liars shall have their place in the lake of fire. So those who deny Jesus and the Father are on their way to a burning lake. It got quiet. God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind or repent. Has he said it? Will he not do it? Or has he not spoken it? Will he not fulfill it? God is about filling his word. God is more concerned about his purposes and the fulfillment of his word than our comfortable lives. God is not a liar. His word will prevail in your life if you will believe it. And how do we believe it? Through the words that we say and us believing it with our hearts. That's Romans 10, 9 and 10. Let's go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah. We're talking about mastering faith, working the word. Jeremiah chapter 1. Is this okay this morning? I guess it's going to have to be, right? <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 12. It says, Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am work watching over my word to what? To perform it. God is waiting to perform his word in your life. Say, God is waiting to perform his word in my life. Now, listen, let me tell you something. If, if his word is not performing your life, it's because you're not believing it and you're not saying it. Go to back. Don't go there, but in your mind, go back to Genesis chapter 1. And it says the spirit was, I'm paraphrasing, was waiting for the word. And when God said, the spirit moved. You know, a person, you can pray and pray and pray and pray for a person to be born again. But unless they hear the gospel, they'll never be saved. They got to hear it and then they got to believe it. Amen. God is waiting on us to speak his word. We, if we don't speak his word, we will not experience his work, his performance of his word in our life. How many know that it's by grace we are saved, that salvation was, 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 was accomplished for all humanity, but only a small portion of humanity will ever experience that salvation? Why? Because they don't believe. When they believe, they'll say and they'll receive it, and they'll see and experience the salvation of the Lord. You and I will begin to experience the word of God in our lives as we believe it with our hearts and say it with our mouths. You work the word by storing it in your heart and speaking out of your mouth. Let me say that again. You work the word by storing it in your heart and speaking out of your mouth. It's what you say is what he'll do in your life. The Bible says in Hebrews 3, verse 1, it says that Jesus is the high priest of our confession. 
Jesus is waiting for us to speak his word to move. Like, a per like you're witnessing to someone. When you go to witness to, if you don't ever witness to a person, the Holy Spirit will never move in their lives on the word of salvation. Are you with me? Unless they hear it and believe it, there is no operation of the Spirit in their life. Unless you hear it, believe it, and say it, you'll never see the fullness of what God has for you. Am I saying if you're saved and you never confess the word, you're not going to heaven? I'm not saying that. You will go to heaven based on what Jesus accomplished and you confessing him as your Lord. But just like you got saved and just like you confessed the lordship of Jesus, you have to continue to say what God has done for us in Christ. The Bible says in Psalm 17, I believe, it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. What are you saying? We looked at the scripture last week that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Well, how, how does that work? What, when you testify, it's not just a testimony. I want to give honor to God who's the head of my life. I want to honor the pastor who's the head of this church. Wrong number, that's num you're wrong number one. I'm not, the pastor's not the head of the church. He's the under shepherd. But anyway, but back in, they testify, I want to give honor to the, you know, God did this for me. I was um, looking for some, you know, groceries and I didn't have any. And God made a way out of no way. Well, that is not what the Bible is referring to in Re Revelation. Is referring to us testifying what the blood did. If you don't say what the blood did, you won't see what the blood did in your life. You got to testify and says, it's by his stripes I am healed. That I have peace with God, and therefore I have pe the peace of God and the peace from God. That I have joy, that the joy of the Lord is my strength. Are you with me? That Jesus has made wisdom unto me. That the Lord is ordering my steps. You got to put the word to work by saying it. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 is the one we just got finished looking at. In the meantime, go to Isaiah 55. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, that was our major text. It says, we believe, therefore we speak. Let me say this. There's no faith without speaking. There's no faith without speaking. Oh, Pastor Dwayne, that is kind of extreme. How many know that God created us to be speaking people? How many know that God is a speaking God? He did not give his people an image of himself outside of making us in his image. Did you know that? That the way that God communicated, he could have had the cross, and many Christians, they get it tatted on their hearts, and they thinking that's something. You can get it tatted on every, you can tat the whole scripture on your body. That doesn't, it doesn't, there's no power in that. You do understand that, right? You can have a cross and carry a cross. There's no power in the cross, in, in, in the, the image of the cross. Man, that just destroyed a lot of religion right there. Like, you see these horror stories um, and, and, and they're trying to ex do exorcists and cast out a demon and put in the cross. I did that once on, on one of my dogs um, <laughs> growing up because the, the, the dog was like having a seizure. And I was like, in the name of Jesus. And nothing happened. The dog was about to die. It didn't need a, the, the image of a cross. The power of the cross <laughs> is in the blood. 
not in the image. There's no image of it. God is not about, in the Old Testament there was a temple, but this place is not holy because we meet together. It's holy because we're holy. Come on. And so God, is, God communicates with his people not through images, but through words. He gave the commandments through words. He is a speaking God. He showed us from Genesis how to create our world through the words that we speak. I'm telling you, if you don't say nothing, there's nothing for the Holy Spirit to move on. Until you confess the Lordship of Jesus, you'll never experience the salvation of the Lord. The Bible says no one can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will prompt you to confess the Lordship of Jesus. We got to say some things. We got to witness. When you preach the gospel and share the gospel with your coworkers and family members, you got to say it in faith. You got to share the gospel in faith. You, you don't, you know, oh, you know, God loves you. That's, that, that sounds weak. You know, you're on your way to hell, but there is a rescuer who wants to save you. Jesus. Okay. But you got to believe what you're saying, right? You can't just share it and hope, hoping, wishing and hoping that something will happen. You got to share it with faith. I believe that when I share this gospel, that it goes in people's hearts. They, whether they receive it right then and there, it could be years later, I planted a seed. And I'm trusting that the word of God will be in operation in their life. I believe that the Holy Spirit is moving on what I said. Let's, let's, get, let's, let's break it down. Let's go home. Let's say that you and your spouse or, or a loved one at your house, don't tell me words don't matter. You got here because of words. You got here because of words. It might have been words from your daddy or words from a song, but you got here. Because of words. There was something communicated that got you here right now. It, you just don't want to a stranger like, hey. No, there were some words. I'm telling you, words are powerful. You got born again because of words. You get healed because of words. You, 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 you experience the provision of the Lord because of words. Words. Let's go to Isaiah 55. You, got, you should be there. Isaiah 55, and let's look at verse 6. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Notice that in seeking the Lord, you got to say some words. In calling upon the Lord, you got to say some words. There's something God, God is a communicator. He is, he's all about words. He gave us his word. Are, are you with me? He just didn't put up a sign. Don't look for signs. Lord, if you want me to do something, let there be a sign in the air. How many know the devil can accommodate you and put a sign? Lord, if you want me to marry this person, let a red car go by five times. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, that you mind smiles. You're da that's dangerous. That's dangerous. Oh, Lord, if you... Uh, you know, people like look at statues and, you know, like Mary, uh, Mary uh, and then it's like, oh, there's blood. 
No, that's a demon. Just because a statue bleeds doesn't mean it's God. Like, that's not in the Bible. That's not like magic, witchcraft or something. Just because something moves across the table doesn't mean that it's God. Um, my, my wife, and she can testify to this, my wife has a f friend, she's from the Bahamas, and she married a king from the continent of Africa. And, and one time, she, you know, she, don't, she fell in love with this guy, supposedly she thought she was falling in love with this guy. And she, they, were, they had a house in North Carolina, if I'm telling the story right. And she went down the basement and she found voodoo dolls. One that looked like her, one looked like him. And she's like, wait a minute. <laughs> and so she confronted him, and he says, all of a sudden, every door in the house began to shut. <laughs> and, the door, and the windows locked. <laughs> True story. <laughs> and so, by the grace of God, she got out, and she just she left everything and kept running. That doesn't mean that it's, just because you see things like that doesn't mean that it's God. I got a friend, he's been to the church two or three times, working on his membership. He has a witch doctor, as a, uh, his father's a witch doctor, and he said it was nothing for him to see a glass move across the table. Like, don't be moved by something spectacular, okay? Because you remember, Moses went to Pharaoh what happened? He, um, Pharaoh's magi magicians threw down their rods, and it turned to snakes, right? And Moses threw down his rod and turned into snakes. But what happened to their snakes? Yeah, so God's power is greater. The devil has some power, but God has all power. I mean, one time there, I heard a missionary, there was a, he, she was over in the continent of Africa again, and the witch doctor began to um, levitate. And she said, in Jesus' name, he fell. I'm telling you, don't be moved by those things. Harris, uh, um, the, 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 um, the things you look at, every, some of y'all look at every day. Um, horoscopes. Don't, don't, oh, this must be true. What's your sign? The cross? No, 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 no. What month are you born in? When I got born again? This is not going to tell me about my future. I better go to the Word and find my future I, oh, these people have these things in common. Sin. Yeah, we all, we all got things in common. Sin. Human behavior. Yeah. The condition of the evil heart. Yeah. We're on the way to hell. Yeah, that's what we got in common. Yeah, I got a relationship with God. Yeah, judge. Sinner. I mean, don't be moved because somebody have a relationship. We all got a relationship with the creator. He's our creator and we're the creation. Be moved by the fact that you have a fellowship with, through Jesus. If you don't come through Jesus, you don't have a fellowship. You have a relationship that's going to end up in judgment. Oh, okay, I'm preaching. All right. Psalm 55, I mean, Isaiah 55, verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Notice, how do we forsake our evil ways? By forsaking the way we think. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion or pity on him and to our God and for he will abundantly pardon. And I love this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, 
said, declares the Lord. So how many know that God's ways are different than our ways? His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And it says, for as the highway, or as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your ways. Notice that Isaiah is connecting ways to thoughts, the way we live to the way we think. And so God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But guess what? His ways can be our ways, and his thoughts can be our thoughts, and we'll take heed to his word. Let's go on to the next one. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. That's a good, that's a good, um, I think um, Paul picks it up in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, that if you don't have money to give, it means that you are not a sower. But if you become a sower, God will make sure you always have seed to sow. That's a side note. Given seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. Here's words again, right? From the Lord's mouth. It shall not return to me empty or void, as King James says, and it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Notice this, that God's word does not return unto him void. But let me say something that's very, that's going to mess with your religious way of thinking. His word can be void to you, empty to you. Well, what scripture do you have? In the Gospels it says, and the traditions of men made the word of God of known effect. So his word can be void to you, but never to him himself. So we must... Believe his word, and we must speak his word. This is how we get God's word to work for us. You got to speak the word. You remember Joshua 1.8? And this book shall not depart from your what? But you should meditate on it day and night. You got to speak the word of God daily. It cannot just be that you mentally agree with it, but that you actually functionally living this word out. That's how you work the word, by speaking his word. Whether in the gospel or, in, or to your children or to yourself. John Calvin says, I preach the gospel to myself daily. John Calvin also said that the human heart is a factory of idols. So I have to remind myself who is God. Paul, I mean, David said in Psalm 91, and I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. I will say of the Lord, he is my king. You are my God and my king. Come on. You got to speak some things to yourself. The confession is not necessary for others as much as it's for yourself. You speak to yourself. You got to speak to your soul. The Bible says that David encouraged himself daily in the Lord. Now, how do you encourage yourself? By speaking to yourself. I'm strong in the Lord. The Bible says, let the weak say I am. Oh, say, say, say. Let the weak say I'm. So if you're weak, you're not to say, I'm weak. You say the opposite. I'm strong. Let the poor say I am. I'm rich when you have poverty all around you. Come on. I, when, let the ignorant say I am knowledgeable. Come on. 
I'm filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Notice that Paul is always positive. Though he's going through, he's always saying the desired result. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's positive. He's speaking what he believes. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I am old, but when I've, I've been young, but now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. That's speaking life to your life. That's reminding yourself of the promises and the covenants of God. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, it says, um, um, don't have a love for money, but to say I, that, that the Lord would never leave me nor forsake me. You feel lonely? He'll never leave me nor forsake me. Stop praying God be with us today. Unscriptural. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Thank you, Lord, that you'll never leave me nor forsake me. Never say that you're alone because you're not. Glory to God. Almost finished. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Are you getting anything out of this? Amen. Working the word. You got to speak the word. You got to allow the word to take control of your mouth. You got to master your mouth by speaking the word of God. The Bible says in James chapter 3 that the tongue is a ruly member of the body. That hell is waiting to take hold of your mouth. That hell is set afire waiting to take hold. Because hell knows that if, he can, if, if it could get, get a hold of your tongue, that it can control your life. The tongue is a small member, but it controls the entire body. You want to change your eating habits? You start out by saying, I will eat the right things. There's power in words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So I need to speak life into my life. I will say I'm strong. I will say I'm prosperous. I will say that I am going all the way with the things of God. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of what? The spirit, what do you do with the sword? You fight with it, right? Which is the what? What's the sword of the spirit? The word of God. So the sword of the spirit is the word of God. And how do you deal with the devil? You just don't deal with the devil just sitting there. Oh, the devil's messing with me today. You got to say some things. You got to resist him. How do you resist him? Through words. Through the word of God. How do you know this, Pastor Dorian? What scripture do you have? Matthew chapter 4 tells us how Jesus defeated the devil by the word of God. When the devil came against him, what did he say? He didn't say, I think you should do this. Or I'm going to send you back to the pit where you came from. No, he's not in the pit. He's not, have never seen the pit yet. So stop rebuking the devil and sending him to the pit. He's not there. You're wasting your breath. You cannot bind the devil to the pit. He's never seen the pit yet. But Revelation says when the Lord Jesus comes and he reigns on the earth for a thousand years, he's going to put Satan in the bottomless pit. So we, we do a lot of unscriptural stuff. That war room, and she's outside on the, on the porch. I send you back to the hell. He's never been to hell. Come on, let's get scriptural now. I like the movie, by the way. <laughs> but that part is unscriptural. She should know better. Her father's Tony Evans. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, if, Matthew 4 talks about how Jesus defeated the devil. What did Jesus say when the devil came against him in temptation? 
It is written. It is written. It is written. You better say what is written. Not what you think you should be written, but you better say what is written. Let's go there real quick, real quick. I'm trying to get y'all out for the beat the Pentecostals to the buffet. Matthew 4. You know the Catholics are already there, by the way. They, they were mass at 6 o'clock. <laughs> Matthew 4. Uh, verse 1, then Jesus was led by the Spirit, up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. It didn't say he was thirsty. He was hungry. And the tempter, so don't, I mean, there's time, you know, no, God didn't call you to go without water and food. All right, you'll die. Well, I have to do a funeral. And I shall have to bury you anytime soon. You got purpose. He was hungry, and, and the tempter came and said to him, If you're the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is what? Written. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So he's telling us, he, that's, a, that's a scripture out of Deuteronomy. He's showing us how to apply the word of God, how to work the word. Jesus is the master commander and how to work the word. He's showing us how to work it. When Satan comes against you, you say what the word says. Are you with me? Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. The mouth of God. The mouth of God. The mouth of God. Are you, are you getting the picture? We got to live by the mouth of God. Let's continue. Then the devil took him to a holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, notice the devil is using the word, he will command his angels concerning you. And oh, their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Notice that the devil knows the word, but he, he took it out of context. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, you shall not... Put the Lord your God to the test. And the devil, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Let's just take a side note. Satan is the God of this world and he has authority in this world. So don't ever blame the work of the devil to the work of God. God is not, call, is not starting an earthquake. God is not tearing up people's homes. It's Satan. Well, how do you know that? Jesus rebuked the storm. How many know that Jesus never rebuked, would never rebuke Jesus, the Father? And so here, the devil says, I'll give you all the kingdoms. And then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So Jesus is showing us how to work the word. you got to speak the word of God. Amen. If Jesus had to speak the word of God, you and I have to speak the word of God. You can take, if you take notes, you can write this down. John 6 verse 53 says, the words that I speak, they are life and spirit. The word of God is life and spirit. When we speak the word of God, we will experience the life of God. I'm telling you from experience that as I spoke, speak the word of God, I experienced the abundance life that God has for me. I'm not saying that you won't have troubles, 
but you will have troubles, but you can overcome your troubles by the words that you speak out of your mouth, specifically the word of God. I have victory. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even my faith. I declare my victory even if I feel, seem like I'm in defeat. Notice this, that we possess the land of promise with our heart and with our mouth. When we work the words, we will enter into the promised land. So what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? God has great things for you, but you'll never get them. You'll never walk in them unless you use the word of God to speak those things into your life. I know people, oh, you can't speak things into existence. It's like they, they believe that we're trying to convince God to do something that he doesn't want to do. God set the system up so that we can speak what we desire. I'm not telling you to speak something that's contrary to the word. I'm telling you to speak something that is in harmony with the word of God. Real quick, how, do, how to work the word. How to work the word. I got three simple steps. How to work the word. Great message. How to work the word. I need to work the word. But then people, a lot of sometimes preachers leave, leave it right there. Then they go and they never teach people how to work it, how to apply it. Don't, don't tell me I can have a stake and don't tell me how to get it. Don't tell me that I can be prosperous, but don't tell me how to obtain that. Don't tell me that I can walk in divine health and not obtain it. Don't tell me that I can have an anointing to change the world for good if you don't tell me how to obtain that anointing. So I have always been about the practical. How do you apply this? What does this look like daily? The first step is a very simple step. It's called, it says, fill yourself up with the word. Fill yourself up with the word. That means memorize it. Go to bed with it. Wake up thinking about it. Some people fall asleep to the television. But why not fall asleep to the, somebody reading the word of God? Read it, study it, meditate the word of God. Ingest the word. Digest the word. Intake the word more. Become rich in the word. I think some of us have a poverty level of word amount. We have a low level or a poverty level of word in our lives. How many know that we need to become rich in the word? It says, Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I think some people read that, let the word of Christ dwell in you poorly. We have been made the stewards of the amount of word that we have in our heart. This is a promise that we'll we'll take the word and and continue in the word, then we'll become free. This is my last scripture. Go with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Are you getting anything out of this? John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who, have, who had believed him, if you abide in my what? Word, you truly are my disciples, or you truly my disciples, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Sometimes people say, well, the truth will set you free. The truth that you know and the truth that you apply will set you free. Knowledge is power. No, the knowledge that you apply is power. It's not enough just to get knowledge you got to apply. You, you have to have a working knowledge of the word of God. 
You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. As you, if you continue in that word, that word will set you free. All right. So the first is to fill yourself with the word. Um, how many know we all need to be set free from something? So as you get in the word and allow that word to get in you, that word will set you free. The second step or the second way, principle to work in the word, you got to speak the word all the time. What you say all the time is your confession. No matter what you see, say the word. You say it all the time. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There's no lack in this house. Wealth and riches are in my house. That's Psalm 112 for those who didn't know. Wealth and riches are in my house. Well, it doesn't look like it. Well, you keep saying it. And last but not least, pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in other tongues. When you pray in other tongues, you'll see the powerful con combination of speaking the word and praying out the plan of God. Take the necessary steps to put yourself in a place to receive from God. When we speak the word of God, we're speaking the answer, the answer. So if I need healing, the answer is 1 Peter 2.24. If I need salvation, the answer is John 3.16. Are you with me? Every eye closed, every head bowed. That concludes know. this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200. Or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Grand Cocos, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to his word. God bless you.